finds Rose. Rose trying to get open, fires away. Bang! It's over! The Bulls win at the buzzer! Inside the 30, Hester's going to take it all the way for a touchdown. Here's the 01. This is going to be a tough play. What's going on, everybody? Welcome inside the Goal to Goat podcast. We are without the host tonight. We are without Reese, but uh, got the little brother here with me tonight. Jay, how you doing? Hello. Hello, everybody. Hello, everybody. Indeed, we're doing good. I'm sorry. I interrupted you. I asked you a question. I didn't even give you a chance to finish it. I'm doing wonderful. Uh, go Twins. The Twins won today, ending an 18-game losing streak in the postseason. Wow. So, go Twins. Go Twins. Go Twins, indeed. Jay lives uh, up there in Twins country right now, so uh, he's he's watching the Twins. I know he roots for the Twins. Um, Cubs till I die. but when, they're Yeah, whenever playing. they're not playing the Cubs, so I understand that. Uh, completely. Um, and the Twins are an underdog, man, this year, especially in the American League. So it's cool to, I think it's cool to root for a team that's not supposed to really win a whole lot. But um, yeah. So, all right, man. Well, let's just go ahead and get right into it tonight. We're going to talk some Bears. We're going to talk some Cubs. Uh, we're going to even throw in a little bit of Bulls in there for you. Uh, even mention the Blackhawks a time or two. Um, I will mention too that I'm I'm trying to secure a guest to come on and talk to us about the Blackhawks and kind of give us a, a season preview um, and just see um, if Patrick we Kane. Get, yeah, if I could get Patrick Kane to come mm-hmm. on here and talk about the Blackhawks, that'd be sweet. sweet. Um, it's not going to happen though. I'm not that cool, um, but I am trying to get somebody on here that knows a little bit more, not just about the Blackhawks, but about the NHL in general. Uh, and can kind of give us a good overview of what we can expect. Obviously, the Blackhawks have the brightest star in Chicago sports and Connor Bedard on their team. Uh, Connor Bedard just scored his uh, first NHL goal of the preseason uh, just a few seconds ago before we hopped on here. So good on him. He had two assists the other night. Um, So he's off to a good start. He had three goals in this showcase, which if you have not seen those goals, I'd encourage you to go look at those and, and get excited about Connor Bedard and uh, what the Blackhawks can be here in the next couple of years. Uh, but that's about the only good news we have tonight for you, unfortunately, <laughs> is that Connor Bedard is a Blackhawk. Um, everything else is unfortunately depressing. The saddest <laughs> sports city in America. This the Chicago. saddest. I mean it, and it stinks Brutal. because I I feel like Chicago sports fans are the best, um, and we got some bad news up in here tonight, and we're not even talking about the White Sox, you know. Not I mean, even that's when you know it's White rough, um, and we're not Brutal. White Sox fans, so we're probably not going to talk about the White Sox very much at all, anyways. Never. The White Sox are um, trash. But if if they were better, we we might actually talk about them, uh, but. Unfortunately, they're not. They're not. They're not very good. Um, and that that possible winning window 
has officially been slammed shut. Um, but let's let's lift up our spirits tonight. Let's talk about the unbearables. The Chicago Bears. It started off as as a good Sunday. All right. Um, started off as a really good Sunday. And unfortunately for us Bears fans, I'm sorry, there's a ton of sirens just going by my house right now. If you can hear them, they're those. probably going to Memorial Stadium. Did you see that? <laughs> huh? What happened? Memorial Stadium is part of Memorial Stadium there in Champaign is uh, on fire. Wow. So there yeah. is a, a fire happening right now. Yeah. Just so down yeah, the street I mean, from my that's house. That's literally probably where they're going. If you guys want me to head over there and do a live recording, <laughs> um, it's probably Brett Bielema's seat. <laughs> <laughs> it all ties together. It, it all ties together. It all, it all works. It all works. It all obviously, they were no, looking obviously, for the source. You should obviously, uh, yeah. If you're looking for the should, source. Check Brett Bielema's you should, office. You should tweet that and tag the tag. <laughs> WCA three news. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Obviously, source. hopefully, hopefully everybody's the all right. They're on in uh, at Memorial Stadium. It's Brett Bielema's seat. Yeah, yeah. Hopefully, he's not sitting in it. Um, <laughs> you know, obviously, you hope everybody's okay. I it apologize works. about I mean, the noise. It it, yeah, I apologize about the noise. But here we go. Uh, we'll go from one hot seat to another. We're talking about the Chicago Bears. All right, and the Chicago Bears, man, it started off as a good Sunday. I was out playing around a golf, had the game on my phone. Um, you stopped you know, texting was, me back, so I, I, I did stop that. texting back because I was just, uh, I was just enjoying golf. And there's an, there's another fire truck going right now by my house. This going is going to put out Brett Bielema. <laughs> yeah. Well, they know, <laughs> they know, they know the defense offers no resistance, so somebody's got to. Um, Man, this is good. There's some quality content. This right is about here. as much fight that's been in the fighting Illini in a long time. <laughs> fighting fires. Um, all right. So the Bears lose a close one, man. It started off good. Justin Fields looked good in this game for, for large portions of it. He finishes with 28 for 35 for 335, his first ever 300 uh, yard game in the NFL. So kudos to him. Uh, four TDs and a pick. Um, it stinks that it took him this long to get to that point. And this was uh, his first 300 yard game in the NFL. His, his first 300 yard game in the NFL. Um, and, you know, I think a lot of that, the first season with Matt Nagy, I don't think the Bears had 300 yards of offense per game. So, you know. Well, it's sad because CJ Stroud what, has had like three or two in his first four games. He's at two. But man, CJ Stroud is a gifted, gifted, gifted passer. Apparently so um, was Justin Fields. Justin Fields was not near the passer in college that CJ Stroud was. So um, you know and CJ Stroud's known for his passing. Justin was known more for his athleticism and playmaking outside of the pocket. Um, and so naturally the Bears drafted him to put him in the pocket. Let that sink in for all of you Bears fans. <laughs> a guy known for his ability to make plays outside of the pocket, and nobody can contain him, so let's just contain him ourselves. Um, DJ Moore goes 8 for 131 and a touchdown. Cole Komet, great game here. Seven catches for 85 yards and two TDs. Khalil Herbert finally got uh, the ground game going, 18 for 103. 
Ultimately, though, the Bears had a 28-7 lead in this game, and they ended up losing 31-28 to uh, with Justin throwing a pick there at the end of the game. Um, this was a heartbreaker um, on a lot of levels just because it looked like the Bears were finally going to win a football game since they had lost uh, so many in a row. And, you know, I, I think winning doesn't necessarily help the Bears in the long run, uh, but I think eventually you have to win a football game to just help with morale, you know, like it, I mean, they're not going to win a whole lot of games this year. It looks like, um, and you would like to see them finish this game out. Unfortunately, they were not able to chase Claypool. The drama around chase Claypool just never stops. Um, he's a diva wide receiver without diva wide receiver results. Um, and therefore he's just not worth it. Um, a lot of these wide receivers in the NFL end up being divas, but most of them end up being good enough to where you can put up with the junk that comes with it. Chase Claypool is unfortunately one of those you cannot uh, deal with. And so he was asked to stay home. There's rumors that he's going to be released or that's the expectation around the league. Um, you know, Jay, what was your thoughts on this game here? What you thought about Justin Fields? Obviously, DJ Moore looked the part. Cole Komet, you know, looked the part. Um, obviously, it was the Broncos. The Broncos had just given up 70 points the week before, and the Bears got some stuff going. What's your opinion? Was this more the Bears figuring something out? Because I do think the play calling was better. Um, or is this, you know, just a result of playing a really subpar Broncos team and just getting kind of fool's gold results? Is this something that we can see continuing starting Thursday night with with the Commanders? Or is that the best that we're going to see this year? What do you think, buddy? Mm, you know, I think I think it was a mix of both, if I'm being honest with you. I even said last week that I actually uh, don't believe that the Broncos are as bad as people are putting them out to be right now, personally. Uh, so I, I, I think it's a little bit of both. I think their defense is horrendous. Um, however, I do think the bears figured out something to do with the play calling, right? Like, I don't, I don't know if it was just getting rid of chase Claypool, which it obviously wasn't, but that's what everybody's saying. Or if it was actually them letting Justin Fields go, what I'm more concerned about is the fact that you figured something out, uh, but you can't hold on to a 21 point lead yeah uh so to me that really reflects pretty poorly on coaching right like yeah. what like how how is that possible i agree with you and you know i think what you said there about the play calling it's a little bit of both i mean we saw it last year right the bears were horrendous the first handful of games it's actually ironic that they're about ready to play the commanders on Thursday night football again, because last year that was the turning point. Um, they played the commanders on Thursday night football. I think they lost 12 to seven and it was just a game where the bears had so many opportunities and couldn't, uh, couldn't capitalize, couldn't get the job done. And then they used that mini bye week and they completely altered the playbook. And that's when Justin Fields went off and did what he did for a, a chunk of games there. Um, 
I do think that the Bears adjusted something in the playbook, and I think it helped Justin Fields. Everything was on the move on Sunday. Um, he got out of the pocket, and you know, I think you said last week that Justin Fields in the right system could be a good quarterback, right? And yeah, but this, this isn't the right system, regardless. This is the same conversation, right? Like if if yeah, anybody watches the Pat McAfee show, they had this conversation today. Or yesterday, no, it was today because it's Tuesday. About uh, Zach Wilson and like, is he actually like, based off of his performance on Sunday night, or this this yeah. was this was yesterday because they played Sunday night. Uh, based off of his performance on Sunday night, can you say moving forward that like he's the guy for New York? Uh, and there were some people that said yes, that he's yeah. the guy, and then there was a lot of people that were like, it's one game, right? Like, yeah. Taylor Heineke has had great games, and I and I'm a fan of Taylor Heineke. Like I I love his grit, but like he's right. not a starting quarterback. Like he's not a Super Bowl winning quarterback, right? Like he's had he's played good, right? Like yeah. If Taylor Heineke, Marcus Mariota has had really good games as well, right? But if, he's not a Super Bowl winning right. quarterback, right? So like, sure, Justin Fields played really well, um, but also like they lost right and there's right. no there's no like second place for whatever reason we we can say it's coaching that players got to take some of the blame too right like they Absolutely. let a 21 point lead go against like, an offense, offense, that, offense that's not been great it to their, they, they have to the offense has like has to take it into their own hand to be like yeah okay like it's 28 21 like we need to go score like we need to execute like we need to like we need to figure something out and and they didn't right like they right but what about this? Okay, so let, let's just segue this into our next part of what we are going to talk about here tonight. Um, you just highlighted the offense not adding on more points, right? Um, and this kind of a system, and Reese has said it many times on this podcast, like we were told the offense may take some time to come along, but the defense should always be ahead. The defense sh- should – you should see progress. You should see life in the defense. Obviously, the secondary is very beat up, um, but this defensive line is not very good. Uh, they don't get a whole lot of pressure. Um, the The linebackers seem to be getting pushed back um, at contact. Um, you know, you scored 28 points in this game, and you had a 21-point lead against, I mean, let's face it, a Denver offense that has not been good, right? Um, Horrendous, and, and you can't you can't finish. Horrendous the, is the you word. Can't finish the job for. either on defense. You know you have a struggling offense that gives you twenty eight points. Um, what does this say about Matt Eberflus? If he's supposed to be this defensive genius, this guru, you know, because when Matt Nagy was here, and the offense struggled, and he's an offensive head coach, you say, well. The offense should be better if you're an offensive head coach, right? So, what is this? These kind of performances continually, at one right after another, say about Matt Eberflus to you? That he's a worse coach than Matt Nagy. He's a worse worse coach than Mark Tressman. He's a or the GM, like the the GM to the coach, like they're all they all need to go. Like Lovey Smith needs to come back. <laughs> they they need to I, like 
freaking stinking, sorry, mom, stinking hired David Ross to coach the Bears. Like, this is a literal joke. How, how, how do you hire somebody worse than Matt Nagy? Like, yeah. I'm starting to like Matt Nagy. Yeah. Which is awful. Yeah, Matt the Nagy one... was 13 and 3 with Mitch Trubisky. Yeah. That's like one of the greatest coaching seasons ever. And he messed it he messed it up Mitch too. Mitch Trubisky. Yeah. A dude that can't even hold his starting job in the NFL. He's backing up a mediocre Pickett, second yeah. year starter in Kenny Pickett. Like he's yeah. not like Kenny Pickett isn't like it's it's pathetic. It's yeah. literally pathetic. And it's not just on Iberfus. It's on the front office. It's on it's on polls. It's on the players. It's on every single free agent that they've signed. Like nobody no nobody can do like they're they're somehow worse than they were last year. Yeah. How is that possible? Yeah, they're worse with better players. Like they added some talent and they're even worse. They're literally worse with better players, which shows you that it's coaching. They haven't it's, won a game since they traded Roquan. The 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 makeup of the team, front office, the coaching, like nobody is playing for anything. They're it's it's literally awful. It, it, yeah. It's it's painful to watch, honestly. Yeah, I mean I would have to agree. I I mean, it's just this defense, you just ask yourself, like, what is this? You know, like, they're struggling offenses all over the National Football League. And offenses have bad days. Um, But defense, man, defense should be more consistent, I feel like. Um, and, and obviously, the secondary is beat up. I mean, I get all of that. But... Your secondary isn't the reason why you're not getting pressure, you know. And this was a this was a weakness on the D line that all of us saw. Like even somebody who barely watches football could see that the Bears D line was a weakness. They don't get enough pressure. Um, they don't do well enough against the run, and that that's an issue. And that affects every other aspect of your defense. Your linebackers have to play off the line of scrimmage. They can't be near as aggressive uh, because they're, they're worried about, you know, guys being running wide open and um, that just really stinks. So I think, I think Iberflus needs to go. Um, I said last week that if, the Bears lost to the Broncos this week. I wouldn't have even let them get to the press conference. Um, They're about to lose to the Commanders on Thursday. You know, and I I wish I could tell you that the Bears were going to win a couple games here because the schedule looks favorable. You know, the Commanders they have one of have, the easiest schedules in the NFL. There's not a single team left on their schedule with a winning record other than the Lions. Now, granted, it's only through four games, and some of those teams have their two and two. Well, that's why that's why they were so many people were picking them 
to make some noise. That was like right. one of the because the schedule biggest. is so easy. Yeah. Because their schedule is super weak. They have like one of, if not the weakest schedule. Right. They have the NFL this year. They have the Commanders this week. They have the Vikings the next game. Uh, the Vikings have not looked great as a whole team. You know, they obviously the Vikings are a more talented team than the Bears, I think. Um, and then the Raiders, who have underperformed as well. Um, so, you know, who knows? I just don't think – I think Eberflus needs to go. I think the Bears know Eberflus needs to go, but I think they also realize that there's no one there that they even trust to babysit for the rest of the year. Um, so let me ask you this question. If you were to rate Matt Eberflus's seat, since we were talking about hot seats earlier, is is his seat on fire? Is he like – Oh, for they, sure. If they lose another game, he's gone. Um, do you think he finishes out the season? Give me like a 1 to 10, you know, and then kind of give me a, a window of when you <clears> think <throat> he could be fired or if you think so, he's going to stay. Yeah. So I, I sent this meme. So we, we, we have a group chat for for a goal to go podcast. I sent this meme on Sunday. Uh, and this will this will segue into my response. Okay. It is a meme of every major sports team in the fifty states. Right? Okay. Soccer, basketball, football, it's it's like every major sports team in America. And they're circled. They're all, except for one. Except for one team. Option reads, have you won a game since Elon Musk bought Twitter? And every team is circled and it says, yes, of course. The sale was finalized back in October of 2022. The only team in America... Every sport, soccer, basketball, baseball, hockey, and football. Every major sports team in America has won a game except for the Chicago Bears. Every sports team in America... And Canada. And Canada. So, so I'm in Canada, Every too. Every <laughs> major sports team in, a, in North America there you go. has won a game since Elon, Elon Musk bought Twitter except for the Chicago Bears. Yeah. So how can his seat not be hot? Right. Is now the question, right? He'll stay through the end of the year. I, I, I don't, I don't necessarily see them. I wouldn't be shocked, right? Like, sure, I, they could get rid of him tomorrow, and there's yeah. a reason for it. I don't see them doing that. I'm pretty I sure the Bears them, have never in their history fired a coach midseason. I'm pretty yeah, sure. Yeah, like that, that. Like that's a pretty big, like especially three games in, right? Like. Four. Maybe, maybe yeah. Four. Yeah. Sorry. Four. Like what? What were the 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 Lions last year were like one and seven or something like that, right? And yeah. Then they turned around. The I think it's possible. The, the the Lions also had a good team. Like they they were just underperforming. Uh they also have a competent coach, which I think was part of it. Yeah. Uh he's. I mean, he's got to go. 
Well, and the thing about the the Lions last year, you didn't see a one and seven team that fought any harder than the Lions one and seven team from last year. You know, they every sports like... team in North America. Yeah, in case nobody heard me say that. So, I mean, I think to me, it's more about the fight in the team. Um, a lot of these guys, and that's like, coaching, right? Yeah, yeah, that's coaching. A lot of that, a lot of these guys look like they've given up at points. Stuff starts to go bad, and immediately heads start to drop. And you just think to yourself, "Well, here we go again." Um, so, the only silver lining that has come out of this season so far is that the Panthers have also been terrible, and the Bears have been awful. So there's only two teams without a win in the NFL, and that is your Chicago Bears and the Carolina mm-hmm. Panthers, who have also given their first round pick to the Chicago Bears. So they also they're... have a reason, though, right? Like that's the sad part. Like Bryce Young has been hurt. Their O line's awful. They don't have a good team. Like, yeah, but they thought that they were going to be rebuilding. Like people in Carolina knew that this wasn't going to be the year, but like, they thought they were going to be better than what they are. Yeah. For sure, for sure, and they're and they're looking for they're looking for a wide receiver one, um, but we're not going to give him DJ Moore back. So we should. Um, I don't think we should. I think that's a joke. He's the best player on this team, mm-hmm. and the fact that you don't have immediate argument as to who else is better just proves my point. He's so a, okay. Anyways. I think the silver lining here, the Bears got the first and second pick in the draft. Is it going to stay that way? Who knows? Um, Who knows? But uh, hopefully the Bears can convince Caleb Williams to come out of USC. There's no way. And then they can draft Marvin Harrison Jr. There is a way. There isn't. There There is a way. There is. And the way is fire Matt Eberflus and hire Lincoln Riley. No, that is that is the way. They need to hire Jim Harbaugh. They need to hire somebody that had th- th- this. Like, listen, the Dolphins can hire somebody who doesn't have head coaching experience, and it's going to work for the Dolphins because they're not Chicago. the The Forty ers can hire Kyle Shanahan, who has no head coach experience because they're not the Chicago Bears. The Chicago Bears cannot hire somebody who doesn't have head coaching experience solely because Chicago sports teams are cursed. You have to hire somebody who has experience. And if you don't hire Jim Harbaugh, uh, I am borderline not going to be a Bears fan anymore. I'm borderline not even a Bears fan right now, to be completely honest with you. Uh, I would personally love to be a different sports fan. However, my loyalty lies with the Chicago Bears. Yeah. Um, I mean, you know how I feel about the coach. I just want Caleb Williams. So (laughs) I I would do it. The issue is, though, this is the issue, right? NIL. Yeah. Like, he's he's making millions of dollars and playing college football and winning and living in Southern California. So like, yeah, yeah, you're going to make the, you could argue, right? Like rookies coming from the NCAA into 
their rookie contracts, like you could argue dependent on how big of a contract that is, like they could be making less money in the NFL because they're yeah. not getting the NIL deals. Right. So especially somebody as big as Caleb Williams, like he's, I mean, he's what Wendy's and, and we see all the things that he does. Like he's for sure making a couple million dollars. Yeah. I, I would assume. Right. I, I have no base. Like that could be, cons- right. that could be completely off. That's my guess. And he's in all the Heisman commercials and stuff too. Right. Um, so, so I mean, he could be taking a pay cut to come to yeah. the bears and lose realistically. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So I that's just, why I say it's potentially not. And he's come out and said, right. Like he's not, he, he hasn't come out and said could that. Stay. His, his dad has said it, but yes, pretty dead. much, pretty much. He yeah. could stay if the system and if it's not right for him. Right. Which I get, especially in the in the college world that we live in now. Again, with the NIL, like he's he's making. Right. That's why it's imperative would, to get. That's why it's imperative to get a coach that he right. likes. You know. Right. Um, and and surround him with skill players. Right, and that's. I mean. What better way to do that than to draft Marvin Harrison Jr. and have him opposite of DJ Moore? I mean, that'd be beautiful, but need a guy that can pull the trigger back there. Um, all right, so uh, we'll move on from the unbearables. This is a goat show, um, so we'll talk some about some more goats. Um, unfortunately, there's, there's, a faint, there's only the, one goat in Chicago. The fainting goats, the Chicago Cubs. The Chicago Cubs have officially flamed out of the Major League Baseball season. They missed the playoffs, um, and it was just an utter catastrophe the way that the season ended. Catastrophe. Um, catastrophe. I mean, they had a ninety-two point six percent chance to make the playoffs. Going into that series with the D-backs, I think it was at their highest, like that first series against the D-backs. You blow that series, um, and then you lose two or three to Colorado. You go to the D-backs again. You get swept by the D-backs again. Uh, Well, you lose three in a row to the D-backs again. And then, you know, you come home and you think, okay, let's right the ship a little bit. You know, we'll, we'll, we'll get a team like the Pirates that we've dominated all season. You lose two or three to the Pirates. You're like, okay. We got to really turn it on. Let's sweep the Rockies. Boom, you sweep the Rockies, and you you feel okay going into the series against Atlanta. You could be in a better spot, but even though it had been as bad as it could get, you were hoping, let's just finish out this, this season strong. And they just laid an egg in Atlanta. Um, and, you know, Saya's air that, that cost them that first game. Uh, the defense, just the leather betrayed them these last several weeks of the season. They just were not dependable on defense. The bullpen was terrible. And they finished out a very crucial week, one and five. Um, obviously, they they sat everybody that last game of the season, but it doesn't matter anyways. They, they uh, were eliminated. All they needed to do was win three games. Um, if they would have won three games, they would have surpassed the Diamondbacks um and and made the playoffs so it's unfortunate to say the least i thought that this team was much better than the way that they ended i predicted 87 wins it should have been more than 87 wins based on where they were and how they finished um if i had to sum up this you know 
this season in one word, it's frustration. Um, Jay, how do you feel, you know, having a little bit of time to reflect and maybe not be so emotional about it? Obviously, it's the Cubs and we're emotional about the Cubs, but how would you reflect on this season as a whole? Is this a positive season? Is this uh, is this a failure to you? Is it both? Um, what do you think, buddy? I think it's twofold, right? Like they were 10 games above 500. Yeah. They had a 90, I think they're the highest percentage I was just reading was like 96% chance to make the playoffs. Um, Like it's disappointing, right? Also now like, this sounds bad, but I'm I'm relieved that they didn't make it, so I could stop caring sooner, right? Like th- yeah. this team wasn't going to go anywhere in the playoffs. They they can't pitch. You can't win in October if you can't pitch. Like you yeah. can hit as many home runs as you as you want. I mean, look at look at the Twins when they set they literally set the record for most home runs. Yeah, and they like they they, they didn't even win a game because their pitching was trash. So like, I I wanted the Cubs to to make it just to avoid the collapse. Just because, like, if you make it, even if you flame out in the first series, if you make it, you avoided the collapse, like the complete collapse, and it's not, like, in your head. You know, I think next year there's going to be those questions going into September if the Cubs are still in it, which I suspect they should be and will be. Um, you're going to have those those nerves kind of creep back in because there's not a whole lot of guys on this team that have won anything um, other than, you know, Kyle Hendricks and Dansby Swanson. And, you know, you don't know if Cody Bellinger is going to be there next year. Um, But that's why I wanted them to win. But I think, I I don't think it's like in recent memory, like in the past five years, Mm -hmm. like I would argue this isn't even the most disappointing season since the series. Like, Oh no! Because like two thousand, like seventeen, yeah. eighteen, nineteen, like those were years you should have been I mean, a lot people better. People were saying that like this is like the start of a dynasty. Yeah. Right, and like they they couldn't do anything. Right. It and was like just, yeah, they just collapsed in those the last the the three previous years or the three years after the series. So like, I think we I think we were spoiled from like fourteen to nineteen where yeah. we had good teams um, and we did well, right? But, like, in the grand scheme of things, like, they were supposed to be a subpar team. Like, they were supposed to be average, and, and they were average. Like, they yeah. they were, what, two, three games above 500, four games above 500. I don't know what the record was to end the I season. They, they won 86, so. No, they won 83. 83, whatever the math is on that. I'm bad at math. Yeah. So, like. Yeah, seventy nine. So yeah, the, four games above five hundred. Yeah. Yeah. So like, sure. Like they they were an average team, uh, with a horrible bullpen. Like that's why they that's why they couldn't do anything. And 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 some of that, a lot of it is David Ross, like the way he managed the bullpen in the beginning of the season. Like you can't 
yeah, like you need every win. Like I'm not saying you don't, but like yeah. you gotta manage differently in April, May, June, July than you do towards the end of the season. Like you you right. gotta be able to at least that's that's my that's my perception of like I would rather be a you know a win 85, 90 games, make the playoffs and go on runs every year than set like a, 105 win seasons yeah lose it. like i i would rather go deep in the playoffs like yeah, i would rather too. have a, a middle of the pack and and some teams right like the dodgers the braves like they can do both the cubs haven't figured out how to do that so like if unless we can figure out how to do like where we win in the regular season and we win in the postseason great uh but if not like you gotta manage differently like you gotta save those arms like Mark Leiter Jr., he had like a nine something ERA from August and September. Like, yeah, what? Because he had been used so many times. That's what it is, right? Like it's it's overused. Like he's he's a good pitcher. Yeah. And none uh, of those Housley, I mean, people were injured. Like there there was a lot of things. When everybody all your leverage guys end up with forearm strains. That just shows you like they're being overused, and none of these guys, with the exception like of Stroh, had like an eight something ERA from July to the end of the year. Right, and he was injured, but like, right. And yeah. Fulmer, I mean, Fulmer's the only guy in that pen that had gone like a full season as a reliever. You know what I'm saying? Like Alzali had never done this before. Leiter had never really pitched a full season in the pen. Uh, Merriweather was good for majority of the season. Um, but these guys just got used and abused. Um, a lot of that was just trying to get back in the race because they played so poorly um, the first half of the season. So you had to try to win as many games as you could just to get back in it. But still, um, you know, there's some positives to take out of this. Dancy Swanson is the guy that you paid for. Um he was the best shortstop from that class for the money. Um, and Nico played really well. Ian Happ had a down year, in my opinion. Uh, Cody Bellinger obviously was awesome, but you don't know if he's going to be back. Saya bounced back big time the second half of the season. Christopher Morrell had his ups and downs. Justin Steele was awesome. Um, and that was ahead. And that was part of the – Part of the thing that I was going to say about their like their collapse, if that's what I mean, I, I would call it a collapse. But the yeah. reality is like it was a subpar. It was a sub. It was it was an average team that was playing above average. Yeah. And then they came back down to earth, right? Like people were hit. Like say it was hitting out of his mind. Like he was on a hot streak. And Ellinger he stayed on a hot out of his mind. Yeah. yeah. Morale was started playing well. Like people were playing well. Everybody was clicking at the same time, and then people stopped clicking and like that's how sports works like it ebbs and flows and like the reality is if you're an average baseball player you're gonna there's a reason you're average right there's a reason averages are averages because you're below average sometimes you're above average sometimes and that's why you're an average because that's you take the bad and the good and then you mix it together some good analysis right there thank you thank you uh (laughs) i i appreciate that like that's what an average is, right? So like, right. It wasn't super alarming. Yeah, uh, we weren't gonna go anywhere in the playoffs, anyways, unless it was an act of God. Which, hey, you know, 
happened before, but yeah, I serve a miracle working God. Like he could do it. Uh, he doesn't care about baseball though. So, (laughs) uh, and if he does, he's not a Cubs fan. He's for sure. That's a good question. That's a good, like who, who philosophical question who God root for. Um, okay. Let's move on. The Yankees, obviously Yankees. Because no. they don't allow their players to have beards. Yeah. No, so let's move on to the topic of David Ross. You mentioned just a few moments ago that this Yeah, is I feel like I'm gonna have a differing opinion than you. Um I think Maybe. I think David Ross should be fired. I don't think he will be fired. What is your opinion? I I think he showed uh it, my my it's twofold. I feel like I can never like fully tell you the truth. There's rumors that like Craig Council's leaving Milwaukee. Yes, dude. I was I read that today. Like if Craig Council leaves Milwaukee, like why would you not hire Craig Council? Right. Right. Like no like Milwaukee has been good. I hate Milwaukee. Like they have been good for the past ten years. Because and, like it's how to handle a pitching staff. Yeah, and like how? Like it's Milwaukee. Yeah. How? How are they good? They're pitching, dude. They can. He knows how to handle a pitching staff. Who's okay? Name me Milwaukee's starting five, without googling. Their starting five rotation. Yeah, maybe you can. Corbin Burns. Okay. Woodruff. Yep. Peralta. Yep. Miley. Of course, you would know this. And uh, I know Colin Ray started against us the other day, but it's not him. Name some people in their bullpen. Uh, well, Devin Williams is her closer. Yep. Payampas, or however you say his last name, uh, he pitched against us several times and dominated us. Um, that's really all I know, though. Off the top exactly. Of my head. Like they ha- they have nobody. Yeah. Like B- Brandon Woodruff. Is their ace? Yeah, but Wood- Corbin Burns. Like, Woodruff has been incredible. I mean, he's and Corbin Burns won a Cy Young. I mean, yeah, they're they're starting I, their their top three in their rotation are incredible. Yeah, but like normal people don't know them is what I'm saying. Maybe, but that's probably because they just play for Milwaukee. If they were on the Yankees, like that's what every, I'm, like, everybody I, would know. That's him. what I'm saying. Like he's. But the thing Milwaukee is, is Craig Council knows how to handle a bullpen. He knows how to handle a pitching staff. I agree with you. I would hire Craig Council in a heartbeat. Um, he also wears awesome sweatshirts in the dugout. Yeah. So he's got um, those sleeves cut off, dude. That's I, what I want to rock. I think, I think David Ross. Um, is not going to be fired because I think the Cubs love him. No, he's not. He's not. Um, but I, I just don't think that he should. He should be the manager of the Cubs. Um, he won't be okay. Fired. With he that won't be being, fired. with that being said, uh, let's move into the offseason, Assuming that David Ross is still the manager, um, they got some big decisions to make here. Um, some of the decisions that they have to make though are out of their control. Like uh, Marcus Stroman, he's got a player option for next year. He's probably he'll stay. He's he, going to he'll, stay. He'll he's dumb if he doesn't stay. Um, he's never going to make that much money. And that's why he was pushing so hard for an extension at the beginning of the year because he knew it was too good to be true. Um, so 
he's probably going to opt into his contract, which obviously makes things difficult uh, when it comes to Kyle Hendricks and whether or not you're going to pick up his big contract option. Um, they will. Do you want to? I I think I agree with you. I think Kyle Hendricks will sign an extension. Yeah, I think he'll take less. I think he'll sign an extension. Um, he'll, oh. he'll take the years okay. um, instead of the the one-year contract. So I do think that Kyle Hendricks will be back. I just don't think it'll be on that particular contract. Um, they're going to try to re-sign Cody Bellinger. They made that very clear. Um, Tom Ricketts uh, wants Cody Bellinger back. I know that Jed Hoyer and David Ross have obviously said that they want Cody Bellinger back. Um, I just don't know if they're going to be able to afford him, to be perfectly honest. I think he's going to end up at the Yankees, um, which is going to stink. But um, I think he'll end up in San Francisco. There's a high possibility of that as well. Um, both those teams need need a guy like Cody Bellinger. Um, and so I would say if I was guessing if Cody Bellinger is a Cub or uh, take the field of the MLB, I'd say it's like a 30% chance that Cody Bellinger is a Chicago Cub next year. Um, I wouldn't be comfortable going any higher than that in the predictions there. Um, there's some guys out there, though, that look really intriguing. Um, is there anybody that you kind of have your eye on that, that you kind of want the Cubs to go for other than Cody Bellinger? What do you think? Are you a Shohei guy? Um, Obviously. Go on now. Yeah, but my I guess the only reason I asked that question is more so the greatest talent we've seen. Yeah, and I, I agree. Why would, why would you not want your I know there are some people that don't want to give him that much money, though, because you don't know if he's yeah, going to if he's going to pit. Well, they're saying he's they're saying right before he got injured he would he was going to push 500. They're saying he's not going to be pushing that now. Yeah. Some people are saying he's going to sign a let, like a smaller deal. Yeah. Couple couple years to prove that he's but I uh no, I mean I I I personally think like I I and maybe this is I think maybe it is. I feel like if they re-sign Bellinger like their offense is good. Like they're they're pl- like they were like plus. Looking at I can't remember what it was. I, keep me honest, but like looking at their like their plus run differential. Uh, run differential. Thank you. They were like the, one of the they they were the best out of all of the wild card teams. Yeah. Like they had, which is saying something because their pitching was horrendous. Yeah. Um, I think like they have a good enough offense. Personally, I want to see them throw a lot of money in their pitching, right? Like you got some killer, some killer free agent pitchers this year. Yeah, uh, Corbin Burns will be out there. Uh, you got uh, uh, Aaron Nola, Blake Snell, Eduardo Rodriguez, Lucas Giolito, Jordan Montgomery. Uh, I mean, Kershaw's out there, but he's not. Yeah, and who knows? I mean, some of those guys are going to sign extensions and different right. things with the teams that they're on or pick Sonny up options. Gray is out there. Like his, his deal is up with the Twins. And, like, yeah, I've seen so, him pitch. Like, he, like he, his record is 8-8, but, like, he's a good pitcher. Josh Hader is, is a free agent. Like, that's exactly where I, I want them to invest. I would a rather. A lot of good 
pitchers out there. I would like for them to get a starter. Um, but I also, if Stroh is staying and you re-sign Kyle Hendricks, um, you have Steele, Hendricks, um, Tyone, Stroh, um, and then you just have Nola, that fifth Nola's spot. Nola's been linked to the Cubs. Which is probably Jordan Wicks. read that. Aaron Nola's been linked to the I would Cubs. love Aaron Nola on the Cubs. I just don't know if the Cubs are going to have the money um, to invest in a starter Cubs have the money. They need the a Cubs have money. They're one of the most They're one of the most richest franchises. Okay, so North let me American ask sports. let me ask you this question. Spend the stinking money. Let me ask you this question. Aaron Nola or Josh Hader, which one do you think would be more important to the Cubs? Aaron Nola. Because I I could argue that it's Josh Hader. I could also argue that with I'm just saying like Wilson with the Contreras needs to come back to Chicago too, but no, but that's not that. an actual argument. That's that's a lie. That's that's a make believe. It would that's, be an upgrade. That's about as real game. as Brett. They Hill also need to sign a catcher. Like, let's get rid of Jan Gomes. Stop! Don't come at Jan Gomes, dude. You. Jan Gomes has been one. He was the most clutch Cub all year long. He, Jan Gomes, to me, listen, I love Mickey. All right. I love me some Miguel Montero. Dude was clutch. You're coming at, okay, you're coming after Jan Gomes while saying you love Miguel Montero. Bro, like his grand slam against the Dodgers, like one of the greatest. Oh, yeah. One of the greatest Cubs moments. Like one of the greatest. That and David Bodie's walk-off Grand Slam against Oof. Nationals. Yeah. Like, two of the best sports moments I've ever seen in my life. Truthfully. I'm not just saying that because I'm a country fan. Like, that, like, chills, right? Yeah. Like, Jan Gomes is equivalent to Mickey. Like, he was an old catcher who brought leadership to the dugout. But, like, at the end of the day... What do you think Jan Gomes... They would be, like, in the bottom five as far as catchers are concerned in the league. Like... No, you've crossed the line. Jan Gomes statistically, you've crossed has the to line. be in the bottom ten in the league. You've crossed a line, big There's time. No way he's not. There's no way he's not in the bottom ten. You cannot convince me otherwise. Jan Gomes, this year. Okay, I haven't looked at any statistics. I'm literally just shooting off the cuff here. There's no way. He's that's why you're. That's league. why you're. There's that's no why way. this take is stupid. He had. How many homers do you think he hit this year? He actually had more than I thought he did. I feel like he's in the twenties. No, he did not have twenties. This is just this just shows that you didn't pay that much attention to Yacht Goats. He only had ten homers, but he had yeah. six, he had ten homers and sixty three RBIs. He only Rats. struck out eighty one times, but he his hitting he was two sixty seven with an on base of three fifteen and a four oh eight slug. With a 7.23 OPS and a 1.7 WAR, that's not bottom ten in the league. You're crazy. Listen, the only reason they need to upgrade at catcher is because Jan Gomes is 36. It's not because Jan Gomes didn't perform this year. He was the most dependable player on this team for the entirety of the season. The Jan Gomes was the most dependable player. Yes, if you watch the games, I'm talking about in clutch moments. If you he needed was more dependable it, than Cody Bellinger, 
For the entirety of the season, he yes. Was more dependable than Danzy Swanson. Yes, because Dansby Swanson struck out consistently with guys on third base. You're literally reckless. I, I'm just I, saying, I can't like, even have an intellectual conversation with you. You just said Jan Gomes was the, the most, most dependable, consistent, most consistent Cub. Yes, he didn't have a slump. I'm telling you, dude, he did not have really? a slump. Jan really? Gomes. What about more consistent than your boy Justin Steele? Well, that's different. That's pitcher. Oh, stop it. No, it's not. It is no, too. No, it's not. Did Justin Steele grab a bat? I was talking specifically offense, okay? Oh, I'm talking oh, specifically now, offense. Now, oh, so now we're putting parameters around it because I just busted your theory. I come up with a player that you Listen, think is more valuable. You thought Jan Gomes. You thought Jan no. Gomes hit 20-something home runs. That just tells I me just, you did not watch Jan Gomes. Proved, I just gave you a player that's why you're backing down because you agree with me that Justin Steele was more consistent than Jan Gomes. So now you're putting parameter. Well, he was the most consistent. Justin Justin player. Steele's last no, four duh. starts were not because the good. most consistent offensive player. You take out half the stinking team. That's what I'm saying. He was the oh, most. If no, you was it. If you had. If you needed a guy to come up to bat. If you, I'm, I'm, I'm disappointed that you're back. You back down way too easy. You don't believe in this take because I, I came up with, I take. literally threw two, I, I threw three players out and I told and you back no. down on the third one. I backed down the on the third, third one. one. I, I backed down you don't believe because take. it's a pitcher. And I could also argue that Justin Steele's last four or five start disqualifies him you from the comment that you just made. You don't believe in this take. Reese, whenever you listen to this, I'm, I apologize to you that you weren't to, here. Cause to I feel every like Cubs fan that. that is here that, is yeah. that watched Cubs games and watched Deion Gomes consistently come through yeah. in the clutch every single time he came up to bat in a We're big still spot. putting parameters around this though. Like like oh so he was consistent in the clutch. Sure. Like that's what I said from the beginning. He no, was the most, said the most consistent player. No. Yes, I did. You did not say in the clutch. You said the most consistent player. I wish we could rewind this right now. And I can tell you like that I Kobe said Kobe Bryant was moments. the most consistent player in the clutch, but I was That's still not true. Get out of here. He absolutely here. was. No, he has took the most seven game shots winners. to do what Michael would do in one. He has the most game winners. Oh, <laughs> because he took LeBron. the most shots. Actually, LeBron does. <laughs> okay, anyways, let's move on. Let's move on. We so we have we've talked about the offseason and kind of what we're looking at. Jan Gomes. Jan Gomes, dude. I'm telling you, Jan Gomes has been good. He was good, and any hatred towards John Gomes is just completely misguided and uh, is not going to be allowed on this channel. Um, let's move on to another hot topic in the Chicago Apparently. sports world, the Chicago Bulls. All right. Uh, it was NBA Media Day, hashtag NBA Hope Day. Um, the only day that you have hope that your NBA team can actually do something good. I actually don't even have hope. And that's where I think quite a few Bulls fans are. So I'm I saw to... uh, uh I saw a photo today. Uh huh. My friend sent it to me. It was of Vooch, Levine, and DeRozan, and it said third time's a charm. Yikes. Yikes. Um, 
So I, I'm hoping to do a Bulls um, preseason uh, season preview next week for you guys. Um, I, think I can I'll do that solo. right now if you want. The Bulls will be <laughs> mediocre. They will maybe make the playoffs as a seven or eight seed. They will underperform like they always do and then run it back again next year. There's you can only run it back so many times when they're as old as they are. Apparently, third time's a charm, though. All right, so some people. In Bulls Media Day, we had some interesting things happen. Um, a few takeaways that I had. Um, Lonzo Ball is coming back, he says. Um, Do we only, actually think he's ever going to play again? You know, he is only 25. But or is this like a Grant Hill situation? I think I think I think Lonzo will come back. Like he's I not did. as good as Grant Hill, but like this, yeah. you know. I think Lonzo that. will eventually play again in the NBA. I don't think he'll ever be as valuable as Lonzo was before he got injured. Which is often the case with these, you know, uh Recurring knee injuries. You know, Derek Rose is still a good NBA player. He's not MVP Derek Rose anymore. Um, but this is the thing, though. Like, I'm sorry. You're good. How bad, how bad does your knee have to be to literally not play basketball for two years? Yeah, and to have multiple surgeries done, like with today's technology. That, like, that's what I'm saying, dude. Right, yeah. like with today's like, medicine and how they, how able, how quickly they're able to recover from knee injuries and like do like precise knee surgeries and stuff. Like, it's got to be jacked up, man. I mean, and several people I saw on some social media platforms were pointing out uh, in one of the pictures that they took of Lonzo because. Apparently, this was a shock that Lonzo was even at Media Day. Um, but they took a picture, and um, several fans were pointing out the different cuts on his knee um, and how his knee looked, you know, the different the scars from the surgeries and stuff. So um, Lonzo says he's coming back. It's not going to be this year. Um, the Bulls have already pretty much declared him out for the season. Um, but he was at Media Day, which I guess – on some level is a positive, but I mean, it's not really, it's not going to help you this year. So it's not really nothing to get excited about. Um, another guy that I wanted to highlight that I think is going to end up being a fan favorite. Uh, just because who not he's I'm doing it because do it. he's uh, similar in his like stop, demeanor stop. as Pat Bev. No, uh, Javon Carter. Oh my Javon Carter. This man, Jalen is a, is not a Javon Carter believer. Listen, I don't oh, think Javon is one of the best agitators in this league. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I'm saying, you I'm not saying put Javon Carter on the same level as Pat Bev. I'm saying that Javon oh. Carter, Javon Carter is a very, very, very good on ball defender. Um, and he's to come get this man. He's got, um, he's got like that, that dog in him that I don't care about anybody else. The trash talk. All right, Dion, go ahead, Dion. Um, yeah, go ahead, Dion. Um, 
So they asked Javon Carter, everybody, they've literally asked everybody, I think a, a regular question at every NBA media day, uh, the reporters asked literally every player that got up to the podium what they thought about Milwaukee and Boston. And everybody gave like these, you know, articulate answers and, you know, complimented the players and different things like that. They asked Javon Carter and his response was basically, what do I think about Milwaukee and Boston? I'm a Chicago Bull. I couldn't care less about them. I think that's just going to relate a lot to to Bulls fans. Um, Javon Carter is also uh, the creator of the coldest quote I've ever heard after a basketball game, which just like made me laugh last year when he went off for like 30 something points and they asked him after the game, they said, Javon, how did you know? Like, at what point did you know, you know, you just had it and you just had to keep going. And he just looked back at the reporter as serious as could be and just said, when I woke up, like that is a guy that just believes in himself. It was such a good quote that Kevin Durant tried to steal it a couple weeks later, which is kind of lame, but whatever. I think Javon Carter is going to be a fan favorite. Um, he's going to play hard defense. He's not going to be a guy that you're going to question his work ethic. How good is Javon Carter? He's a backup. You know, I mean, he he shoots 40% from three. So, I mean, one could argue he's going to be more consistent from three than uh, than Kobe White, you know. Um, he obviously helps out the team more than Goran Dragic did. Um, he's going to be a more consistent shooter than Io DeSumo. You know, the Bulls needed shooting, and Javon Carter does some of that for you. Um, he's probably just going to be your second point guard off the bench, but I think that he he brings uh, a good mentality um, to the team. Um, and as far as AK and what they were saying, you know, pretty much um, about this roster is they believe in this team. Uh, Nikola Vucevic said something along the lines of this team had a mentality of, you know, when Lonzo back gets back, we'll be able to do this. When Lonzo gets back, we'll be able to do that, yada, yada. Um, and now that the team knows that, you know, Lonzo ain't coming back, it's easier to move off of that stuff. And um, he's, you know, as a team, their mentality is just going to be different. DeMar DeRozan said the other day, if you think the Bulls needed to rebuild, then you don't know. You don't know ball. Um, I don't know. I just don't think that there's anybody on this team that's actually won anything except for Alex Caruso um, and now Javon Carter. So I, I think it's more you got to show it to me for me to believe it. And this team's schedule to start the season is not necessarily easy, so we're going to find out rather quickly how good they are. But I'm going to get into this more um, hopefully next week um, in a bowl season preview for you. Um, I'll probably be by myself uh, for that podcast, but I will try to get it out there for you guys um, next week, probably around Thursday or Friday. All right, and let's move on. So let's go back to the the good news. We'll, we'll sandwich the bad news like around like two pieces of Bedard, like bread, you know? It is one week to the day where Connor Bedard will be making his NHL regular season debut uh, for the Blackhawks. So I'm excited about that. I'm not going to get to watch it at the start live, 
um, but I will be uh, recording it and going back and watching that game. Are you going to be able to watch that, Jay? No. No? Not able to? Not want to? I believe in the hype. I still think uh, they're a player or two away from really making some. Oh, they're they're quite a bit away, I think. But um, you want to see you want to see Bedard show you that that he's the guy that you you thought he was going to be. So um, generational talent. Hopefully, um, he can stay healthy and and do all the things that you would hope from a guy that that has that kind of hype coming out in the draft. So, all right. So that's the good news. That's the good news is that Connor Bedard, um, the biggest superstar in Chicago sports will be, uh, on the ice next week. Um, probably going to be the most consistent player in Chicago in any sport. Um, so if you're not into hockey, you haven't watched a whole lot of hockey. Maybe you haven't watched the Hawks, you know, since, the Kane and Taze and the Seabrook and the Duncan Keith and and all those boys were the Marion Hosas were dominating the NHL. I'd encourage you to try to get back into it as I am as well, uh, which is why I'm trying to get somebody to come on to help us uh, understand some more about the NHL and the Blackhawks and where they sit and kind of where their future uh, kind of looks. So let's go on to our, our last couple segments here, Jay. Um, we got good goat, bad goat, scapegoat. So why don't you hit me with your good goat of the week? What's a, the best performance you saw here this last week? You already know this. I do. Brock Purdy, baby! <laughs> Brock Purdy! The only thing that would have been better is if you would have said his middle name right there. Barack, I don't know his middle name, Purdy. This man, this man was 20 of 21 for 283 yards. One touchdown. He also carried the ball for one touchdown. With a QBR of 97.2 and a passer rating of 134.6. I think if you were going with a good goat from the 49ers, it should have been Christian McCaffrey. But we'll move on. Rock party! So my good goat of the week is none other than Ray Davis running back for the Kentucky Wildcats. Got a big dub against the Florida Gators to stay undefeated. He ran for 280 yards, uh, ran for three TDs, caught another touchdown, just absolutely had their way with Florida. Um, This was a beatdown. Kentucky had it in control pretty much the entire way, Um, and they got a big game coming up this weekend. Who is your bad goat, Mr. Emmerich Go? It's uh, Brock Richard Purdy, in case anybody was with Oh, I thought you were going to say he's your bad goat, too, because that would be a bad take. Which is, like, Richard? Like, come on, dude. Yeah. (laughs) This dude is the next great, the next great NFL quarterback. And his name is Brock Richard Purdy. 
uh, my bad goat is maybe uh, maybe maybe this is obvious. Maybe it's not. Uh, Daniel Jones. Okay. He's awful. <laughs> this man has thrown for two touchdowns this year. He has six interceptions. He has more interceptions in four weeks than he did all of 2022, for the record. He had five in 2022. He has six in 2023. Uh, and we're, we're, we're four weeks in. So He also makes $40 million. The Giants got to be regretting paying yeah. this man. Like, okay, some of it's on the Giants, right? Because, like, they they haven't really like Saquon's always injured. Yeah. He always. Always. And they like they have Darren Waller. Like they they, they don't really have another weapon. Another weapon. However, this man makes forty million dollars per year. To put that into perspective, he's in the top ten with Joe Burrow. Patrick Mahomes, Justin Herbert, Lamar Jackson, Jalen Hurts, Russell Wilson, but like man, Russell He should he shouldn't be up there. Kyler Murray shouldn't be up there. Deshaun Watson shouldn't be up there. Josh Allen, Dak Prescott, and Matthew Stafford. Yeah. You put any of those quarterbacks on this Giants team. And they make it better than what Daniel Jones is making this team right now. Okay. We'll get into that in just a second. My bad goat. My bad goat is Daniel Jones. No, I'm just kidding. My bad goat is the entire Cincinnati Bengals team. Oh, dude. Awful. Dude, one and three. Absolutely atrocious. One and three to start the year. Um, just dude, get... making $55 million a year. The they've way. they've already lost a game to the Browns and the Ravens um, in the division, so that obviously stings. they got slaughtered, and they just the got beat down by the Tennessee Titans the other day. And let's face it, the Titans the Titans aren't very good. Um, I think the Titans are middle, <coughs> excuse me, middle of the pack kind of team. You know, they might make the playoffs because that division is not strong. But, man, dude, the Bengals coming in with all the hype. I know Joe Burrow is not fully healthy, but their season is pretty much over. Like, you're not making the playoffs in that division. Um, and you you pretty much got to be flawless from from here on out. And the record, I mean, the, the schedule, you know, you got the Cardinals, Seahawks. But then you got the 49ers, the Bills, you got the up and coming Texans, and then you got to play a Ravens team that's already beat you once, a Steelers team that you just don't know what you're going to get, the Jags who could figure it out by then, the Colts, the Vikings, Steelers again, Chiefs again, Browns. Like their schedule is not necessarily what I would call easy. Um, I think they're done for the year. So that is why they're one of my biggest losers um, of the week. I'm gonna go ahead and give you my scapegoat. One and of then... the hold on. One of go the ahead. most 
slept on statistics or streaks is that Tom, Mike Tomlin has won, has had a winning season 16 years in a row. Right. Yeah, that's crazy. That's wild. It's wild. You just said the Steelers. You never know what you're going to get. Like, right. That's unprecedented. 16 yeah. winning seasons in a row. Well, yeah, and this Steelers team, like, I mean, they could, uh, you know, they could come out and beat the snot out of you and and just run over you, or they could literally come out and do what they did against the Texans. Correct. Like, and you just, literally don't know. Yeah, you just don't. That's know what, what makes that streak do. more impressive, right? And yeah, right. yeah, he, he had a big bend for a while. But yeah, obviously, okay. these last couple, I think he's getting closer to that that potential chance of not finishing with it's a winning crazy, record. It's a crazy statistic. So here's my scapegoat this week. Daniel Jones. Oh, stop Daniel it. Jones is my scapegoat. And here's why. Oh, here's why. Goodness. Here's why. Daniel Jones stinks. Okay. Yes. Daniel Clearly. Jones is not a good quarterback. He's awful. Daniel Jones has never been a good quarterback. Fair. Daniel Jones has. He was good at Duke. Daniel Jones was overdrafted. Yes. Daniel Jones does not have a good offensive line. Daniel Jones has no Saquon Barkley. Daniel Jones has an unproven head coach. Daniel Jones has... Stop it. Stop it. He's unproven. When has he won? He's not won. He's not won anything. What has Brian Dable won as a head coach? Sure, like he hasn't won a Super Bowl, but like they went to the playoffs last year. They won a game in the playoffs. Like, I'm just saying... The the Giants. Brian Dable is a top ten head coach in the league. Easily, I wish America could have just seen my face right there. Top? Uh, are you kidding me? Okay, that's a whole other conversation. We're not going to get into that now. We're running out of time for this podcast. I completely disagree with what you just said, but here's the point: even if you want to say that Brian Dable is a good head coach, Daniel Jones is in entire NFL career has dealt with unrealistic expectations. And then you go out and sign him to this massive contract. When you know who he is, he is not a good quarterback. So the only thing that you have done is essentially put a target even bigger on this man's back, knowing that he's not a good quarterback because you were scared that you were going to end up with something worse. So you overpaid a guy you know is not very good and not very consistent because you were afraid that you were going to get somebody even worse than Daniel Jones. And so now all of the media, all of New York hates this man because you overpaid him and overvalued him. And if any of us were in Daniel Jones's shoes and they said, we'll pay you 40 million a year. You better believe we all would have signed yeah. that contract. This is not yeah. Daniel Jones' fault, and that's why I say he's a scapegoat because who, yeah, he, they are who we thought they were. <laughs> you knew who Daniel Jones was, and you're putting these again unrealistic expectations on this man. He is not Patrick Mahomes. He is not Fair. Lamar Jackson. You know, like he 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 is not the quarterback that makes other players better. Yeah. He he should have never got the contract. That's why I'm saying he's a scapegoat because there's unrealistic expectations. This is to me the equivalent of like if the Bears just gave Justin Fields forty million dollars right now. And you who's expected more hated him. In, who's more hated in New York, Daniel Jones or Zach Wilson? 
I, I would have <laughs> said I would. <laughs> I okay. I think Daniel Jones or, or Aaron Boone. We'll throw Aaron Boone. <laughs> there you go. Aaron Boone for sure. Brian Cashman and Aaron Boone for sure. No, I would or say. Or Steve Cohen. We'll throw him in there, too. I would say probably right Honestly, now. New York might have worse sports team than Chicago. Now that they, we're definitely got, they definitely got more hurt right now. I would say it would probably be Daniel Jones just because he's got the big contract. And I think, I think everybody's starting to sympathize with Zach Wilson because Aaron Rodgers was supposed to be the guy. Zach Wilson kind of got thrown in there at the last minute. But that's why that's why I say Daniel Jones is my scapegoat. It's not because he's not playing poorly, because he he's not playing good. He's not playing good football. But let's let's good. not pretend let's not pretend like Daniel Jones has I ever been you. good. I you know? agree. So I'm I think agreeing with you. Thank you. I appreciate it. So go ahead. Uh, what, he's who's also your scapegoat? A bad go because he's playing awful. Oh, he's yeah. Playing awful. Also, but props he's to not Daniel the Jones biggest for problem. props to Daniel Jones. Like this might be a greater uh math like work of art than like Taysom Hill getting paid. Yeah. Oh, for right? sure. Like, dude got the bag. Got the to bag. be mediocre. Right. L- less than mediocre. And like, Daniel Daniel Jones is is caution to the Chicago Bears. Yeah, I would agree with that. He is cautious it's also to the Chicago wild Bears. To me, it's also wild to me how, like, the last football star to make it in New York was Eli Manning. Yeah. Like, but even, even those Giants teams like, that top. But, like, Eli Manning was mediocre. Right. Like, even those. Hall of Fame career. Hall right. of Fame career. But, like, his teams were, like, like the years they won the Super Bowl. Like middle of the pack, yeah, yeah. Like they they went out like they got hot, right? And they they yep. went out, like they should have never beat the Steelers, right? Or, or the the Patriots, excuse Patriots, me. Patriots, yeah. But they did. Yep. All right. So who's uh, your scapegoat? Props to Eli Manning. Yeah. So uh, this one is is probably going to be a little controversial, and it's going to be controversial if you haven't read the news about the sports world. Uh <laughs> My scapegoat. This is this is maybe gonna ruin the podcast. Oh, so Lord. yeah, is uh, uh, Trevor Bauer. Have you read the news about Trevor Bauer? No, but I mean, <laughs> I try not to read news about Trevor Bauer. I mean, I know that. So, okay, so obviously so the Trevor Bauer like situation. Te- so like they settled. They just settled. Yeah, I saw that they settled. Thing. Yeah. There's been some texts that have been like leaked that have basically like shown that this chick set him up wow. to get paid. Like texts that she sent to people. Yeah. Like completely derailed his career. Like yeah. he was at the pinnacle of his career. Like he was a Cy Young contender living in LA, like crushing it. I, and I don't like Trevor Bauer. Like I, I, I personally don't. I don't like him. Like I, yeah. think he's. He, I don't know the dude. I don't. I don't know that Trevor Bauer is a good human being. But obviously, yeah, obviously, nobody deserves to have their career right. ruined. Right. right. Like, nobody deserves that. I mean, obviously, a lot of these a guys. A lot of heat. Like he took. I mean, a lot of heat, and it's yeah. coming out now that a lot of this mo- was uh, all of it essentially has been fabricated. Yeah. Uh and. I mean, the media had this is the problem with the media. They had a lot to say about Trevor Bauer when it happened. 
now that all this stuff is coming out, nobody's talking about it. Yeah. Well, I mean, because it's, you know, it's like a nuclear war zone. Free the man. You know, and like I said, listen, if you don't want, if you don't want to get, you know, your name drug through the mud, don't put yourself in positions to get your name drug through the the mud. And, you know, these guys, I'm sure many of these guys are doing distasteful things um, on the side that that none of us know about that never get out in the public. Um, And you you wish that that wouldn't happen. Obviously, you know, Trevor Bauer put himself in a in a rough position and they you know, this ended up happening to him. You wish that it didn't, you know, if this stuff if this stuff wasn't like real, you know. All right. What are you doing? All right. Anyways, that's my scapegoat. Anyways, all right. Trevor Bauer. I think that's a pretty bad scapegoat, but we'll move on. All right. Eye on the ball. Who are who are you watching this weekend? Why are you laughing? <laughs> you, I'm, 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 uh, we got to stop I'm doing these at, things. We got to stop doing these things so late. <laughs> I'm looking at the Texas-Oklahoma game for the sole fact that obviously it's a, it's a rivalry. Yeah. Uh, to <clears throat> obviously Texas is a playoff contender. Uh, people are, are saying Oklahoma is a potential playoff contender if they keep winning. Uh, What's intriguing to me about this matchup is if you statistically, if you look at this this season thus far, uh, I I'm a believer in Texas, and I, I'm maybe a little biased, but I I true I do I believe in Texas. I think they have a great team, great quarterback. Uh, but a lot of people are, are talking about Oklahoma's defense. Yeah. But actually, Texas's defense is ranked higher than Oklahoma's. Uh, so, and their offense is ranked lower than Texas. So, it's uh, intriguing to me to see both teams are 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 giving up like ten to fourteen points a game, and both teams are scoring within twenty five to thirty yeah. points a game, uh, which is a pretty high clip. So, I uh, I think it'll be a good game. I think this pains me to say, I think Oklahoma is going to pull it out. I yeah. wish Texas was going to win. I don't think it's a bad loss though, right? Like I don't think this is a loss that maybe may, maybe it drops them. Uh, the it playoff. depends. It depends on how you lose. You know. Yeah, like I mean, if it's close, right? Like they they have like their uh, conference title game. Like I don't yeah. I don't necessarily th- I think it I, I I don't think it it for sure doesn't drop Oklahoma out. Right. Uh, I. Well, if Texas, I, I don't think know how, Texas, how Texas could lose and it drops them out, because I don't think if Oklahoma loses, it drops them out. Because it, and obviously they have to, it's it's dependent on how they lose, and it's dependent on obviously on how they finish the season, right? Like if this is their only loss, I could still see both of the, like I could still see Texas getting in if they lose. I could still see Oklahoma getting in if they lose. But well, it's the rest the rest of Texas's schedule is pretty favorable. They got Houston. Yeah. 
Houston, BYU, Kansas State, TCU, Iowa State, Texas Tech. Yeah, so, I mean, it's their last run through the Big 12, so they had to get that championship. Right. You know, and Oklahoma has Texas this weekend, and then UCF, Kansas, uh, Oklahoma State, West Virginia, BYU, TCU. Which um, is, again, that's also pretty I I think that this game would, if Oklahoma loses, I think it does knock them out of consideration. I really do. Interesting. Um, just because I don't think that they're coming back to beat Texas in the championship game. Like, obviously, if Oklahoma... If they do, it doesn't drop them out. Right, but I don't think two Big 12 teams are going to make it. But what if... But I mean... I think if, if Oklahoma were to... If so, say Texas win this game, Oklahoma were to play them in the championship game, I think Oklahoma would get the nod over Texas because they have the championship. Because I don't see, unless like Georgia loses, um, they might lose this weekend, huh? Georgia might lose. Yes, this which which enters my eye on the ball. I am looking at Georgia and Kentucky. Kentucky is obviously playing some really really good football. Uh, came into the season clearly underrated as they just moved into the top twenty five. Um, just came off a big win like against man, Florida. Florida. Yeah, and uh, Georgia has struggled at times um, during the year, just struggled against, um, I believe it was Auburn on last Saturday. Um, so that's, yeah. a, that, that's a big game. Um, I think Kentucky can give them a fight. I don't think Georgia is as good as they have been the last two years. Um, no. They're but this, this is a big game here for Kentucky. And um, if, I, if I remember right, it's probably Georgia's only chance – of losing, I think. I mean, they have Kentucky, Vanderbilt, Florida, which they should win. Both of those, Vanderbilt and Florida. And then they have Missouri, which I think they'll win. Ole Miss. <coughs> Excuse me. Wow. Getting choked up. Ole Miss, Tennessee, and Georgia Tech. I think they win all of those games. I think Kentucky's definitely the toughest game left on their schedule. Um, so we'll see. I mean, I think that this could move Kentucky into a conversation that you didn't really think that they were going to be in. Because um, Kentucky, if they if they are able to pull off the upset against Georgia, they have Missouri, Tennessee, Mississippi State, Alabama, South Carolina, Louisville. Um, they got some tough games still that's, on that's their schedule. schedule. But, you know, if they were to only lose to Georgia – and they were to win the rest of their games, that's a pretty impressive resume, but they would have to do it without a conference championship because Georgia and Kentucky are in the same uh, division there. <coughs> so that's an interesting game that I am looking at this weekend. Um, Notre Dame-Louisville, um, 6.30. Reese, Reese, what are you looking forward to? Oh wait, I forgot he isn't here. Yeah, he's not here. He's not here. I he I'll throw in bitched. this good go in honor of Reese because I know he probably would have picked this this guy. Brock if... Richard Purdy. No, um, Devin Witherspoon, Dude, University of Illinois cornerback that was drafted number five overall. One Six of the tackles, one of the sacks. best players 
pick six. Uh, to come out of Illinois in quite a while. 97-yard pick six. Got his first NFL sack. He got um, two sacks. Last two time. sacks. Two sacks. Um, Big-time game for, for Witherspoon on Monday Night Football. So that's always cool to see a guy um, that – that I was able to watch, you know, quite a bit at, at Illinois, very physical, very physical corner. Um, so would love to have had it on the bears, you know, but it is what it is. I'm actually, uh, a little bit concerned about my Buckeyes this weekend. They play, they play Maryland, which is not like, it's not like Maryland is a top, top team, but Maryland's also five and zero right now. Um, only thing that makes me less nervous is the fact that the Buckeyes are coming off a bye and they're usually amazing off of buys with Ryan day as the head coach. Um, but <clears throat> nonetheless, they take a bye before they play Michigan, non- nonetheless, right. I mean, cause that's what it comes down to at the end of the day, you got to beat the team up North. And if you don't, you're in trouble. Yeah, so, it's called Michigan. That's the name of the team up North. And the Wolverines, yeah, yeah, Michigan, yeah, yeah, the Wolverines, yeah, Michigan. So, yeah, all right. Well, I think that is a wrap for the show tonight. Uh, Jay, it was good, good talking to you. So, Brock Richard uh, Purdy, baby, Brock Richard Purdy. Um, hopefully, next time Reese is back on the show with us. Um, I will be coming at you hopefully later on this week with a guest on the Blackhawks and kind of where we're expecting their season to go from here um, and hopefully getting you that up before next Tuesday's opener Um, it's been a great time talking with you all if you could just like subscribe download the episode um, share it with your friends all those kinds of good things we love being able to talk sports with y'all and hopefully uh, you'll come back and you'll hear us again next week Uh, on the Goal to Go podcast. So hopefully you all have a blessed day and uh, we'll talk to you later.